Welcome to the Multifamily Artist Podcast. I believe there's a rhythm and art in everything that we do. This is my journey about how I went from being a hip hop dancing engineer to a multifamily real estate investor. If you want to learn more about how you can start investing in real estate, stay tuned to learn from multifamily real estate investors and hear how they found their rhythm and created their own sound investments. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Multifamily Artist Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Koo, and this is the show where I interview multifamily real estate investors and find out how they found their rhythm and created their own sound investments. Now, for today's guest, it is not about his story. It is not about his book. This is all about actionable items and action steps if you want to get started. Now, don't get me wrong his books and his story. You can definitely learn absolutely so much from him in that first episode, but that is going to be in the episode. Before this, we are bringing back the Bill Ham. Thank you so much for coming back again. Hey, thanks for having me back. Yeah. So, you know, just to start off, usually I, I preface this with, you know, what's some actionable steps and advice for people that have money or don't have money. And if they want to start investing into multifamily real estate, be in, in particular to multifamily real estate, since that's what the, what the show is about. Sure. <laughs> but, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to be a little bit selfish and just say, let's say this is me in this position and sure. go for just for my situation. So I have zero capital. Well, just, I mean, just a, just a little bit, not like zip and zero. I lived in my mom's place and I have a little bit of a construction background. So I was building restaurants, surprisingly only Chinese restaurants in Northern California and Southern California, based over in, in Northern California. Okay. And, you know, now I want to be able to, to use real estate to create just a supplemental income for myself to have the option of leaving the job later on okay. right now with california being a you know tougher market to to be able to cash flow with the the values of real estate being so high i and with you saying that cash flow lets you leave your job and equity lets you stay out of your job right. i'd love to know you know where should i what what should i even do what should i even how should i even start <laughs> start a well, podcast you know that, that's a great question and that's one of the when i'm working with students that's one of the first things i always sit down is i say tell me several things about yourself where do you live what are you doing for a living right now are my two first questions besides getting to know the person what i'm asking is what is your multifamily backyard are you in a good multifamily backyard or, or a bad one? As I say bad as in, you know, maybe expensive, such as California. And then my second question, what are you doing for a living? I want to know how much free time you have Monday through Friday, nine to five. Because if we're talking commercial real estate, you know, a lot of the realtors and a lot of this business is done Monday through Friday, nine to five. And a lot of people don't understand that, you know, realtors and, and uh, commercial realtors, and bankers and people in that space are, are not opening, uh, having open house on Sunday for you to come by and look at that property. That's not how this works. You know, they're used to dealing with high net worth individuals. So the two major things I would tell you right out of the gate is we need to assess your market, strengths and weaknesses, and then we need to assess how much free time you have to work in that market. The reason that's so important is because that's how we build out your business. If you have, let's say, you know, Taylor, you're in California and, and prices are a bit high in California and therefore cash flow is not that prevalent in that market. I would say, okay, that's fine. How much free time do you have and how much available capital? If you have a lot of free time and maybe some cash, I would say perhaps you pick a market that's a little further out, maybe Phoenix, Arizona or Dallas, Texas or somewhere else that might have more cash flow in the market. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you have to understand that you're always competing with the locals. And so you're still going to have to go to Texas. You're still going to have to go out to Arizona and spend a little time in that market, meeting realtors, touring properties, looking at deals. And so that's the number one thing you need to think about when choosing a market. Can you get there? You know, and so I would tell you, you know, you just said you're, you know, you're younger, you don't have a lot of cash, you may have free time, you'd probably be better off actually attempting to do real estate in California than chasing cash flow all around the country in these markets you really can't have any actual competitive advantage in. Okay, so you're in a tough market that has more appreciation than cash flow. Fine. Then in that market, I would focus on that business model, fix and flip find assets that are distressed or to something of that, that nature, because you're in such a high value market that if you find something at a discount, you know, you can probably turn around and sell it at a premium just because of the market you're in. So my advice to you or anyone listening that's in a high, high dollar market, you know, New York, Miami, LA, these places that are just super expensive as far as real estate is, well, maybe not New York so much anymore, forget that one, but the other ones, you know what I mean, uh, that in such high value real estate areas that have low cash flow, fix and flip, find assets that you can get in in some manner and create value and then sell them. Your model would be based on capital gains. What you would want to do then is take that capital gains from flipping and selling, roll that over into something outside of that market for a cash flow. You know, so it's not, you're probably not going to go out and build a big portfolio right out of the gate that, that produces a lot of revenue, but you can make tremendous amount of money, you know, from flipping, fixing and selling those assets. And at the end of the day, money's money. Who cares whether it's passive or active? You may not want to work that hard. You may want to think that you're getting passive revenue, but let me be real clear. Creating passive revenue is anything but passive. As a matter of fact, creating <laughs> passive revenue is probably one of those labor intensive things you can ever do. Right. Yes, it's passive once it's passive. Getting it to be passive, that's not passive. You know, that's a business. Right. That's transactions. That's finding deals. That's going out there and looking at stuff. So I think everybody listening to this needs to understand that passive revenue and cash flow is something that we create ultimately from a portfolio, not something we get because we just went out and decided to buy real estate. You're going to have to pay your dues. You're going to have to spend a little time building that business. And uh, if you're in a tough market, you either move, which is what I did, or you you deal with the market that you have and you adjust your business model depending on where you are. Now, um, if you don't mind, I'd love to just not not necessarily challenge, but still ask questions. Yeah. I love, I love I, an argument. Let's do it. Well, no, 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 no. It's definitely not an argument. Definitely not. Come on, why not? <laughs> I don't want. To, I don't like arguments. Well, it just because I mean, like I've seen some flips since, and even then, it's just not something that I really enjoy. And in something that I understand, in something that, and I mean, like I guess it's. It's a possibility that I can do that, but I guess like the the interest and the security behind multifamily and especially in particular like syndications and wanting to learn about underwriting and wanting to learn about capital raising, that you know is would that still be possible? Like, is that still a possibility where I can do that out of California? Let's say if I didn't want to take the fix and fix and flip route or the creating value and. Yeah. Well, first of all, fix and flip doesn't necessarily mean houses. I fix and flip apartments all the time. Entire 200 unit apartment complexes. Hmm. Now that takes a few years. See, there's the difference. It could take a few Mm. months in a house to fix and flip an apartment complex. Right. It can can take a couple of years to do that as opposed to say, holding on to an asset for five or seven or 10 years. So yes, you can absolutely still fix and flip or create value and exit 
in a, a low cap rate market like you're in, you can still syndicate a deal. You can still bring on investors. Is that property going to sit there and just generate 10% cash flow for the next 20 years? No, probably not in that market because the original purchase price was so high. So you just change the business model, you know, and then you, what you do, basically what I'm describing is what I call a conveyor belt. And this is actually coming out in some of my future teachings. It's what I call the conveyor belt uh, theory of business here. So imagine your conveyor belt. You have a conveyor belt in front of you, right? And on this conveyor belt, we're going to say it's five years long. That's how long our conveyor belt is. Okay. Year one, you're going to put your first clothes or your first property on that conveyor belt. Okay. And it's going to move along. Year two, you're going to put the second property on that conveyor belt. Now you're operating, right? Year three, year four, year five. Okay. Now by year five, your conveyor belt now is full, right? At the end of year five, the first asset comes off the back of the conveyor belt. That's a liquidity event. It could be a sale, it could be a refinance, it could be whatever the case. That produces a fair amount of, of cash right there. And in the in at the same time, you're closing. So it takes a few years, but now you're taking one off the back, putting one on the front. You're making capital gains as the asset comes off the conveyor belt. You're making fees in, in equity as the, the new property goes on the front of the conveyor belt and you're cash flowing through this uh, window as that, that asset kind of moves down the conveyor belt. So it's a simple visual concept of basically what a real estate business really looks like. People kind of think that they're going to go out buy this apartment complex and just sit at home and open the mailbox and all these rent checks are going to come <laughs> spilling out and all this kind of stuff. It's just not true. That's yeah. that's that's stuff they tell you from stage to get you to run back and, and spend a thousand dollars in the back of the room and buy some some course. It's not true. You know, you're going to build a business. You're going to be transaction based for a little while. It's just how it goes. You know, I, I tell people, if you figured out a way to make money in real estate without being transaction based, write that book. I'll be the first one to buy it. <laughs> tell me how to go out and get real estate without closing a few deals. I am buying that book. It's not possible. That's guru nonsense. That's a sales pitch. You've got to roll your sleeves up and get ready to go out and do some work. And it takes you a couple of years to get a portfolio built up enough that you can sit back and say, okay, now I'm at the level that I'm producing cash flow and, and I can sit back. Let me give you another quick example. We won't go too far off into this one. There you go. I always ask the question, most people, hey, if you could live on cash flow or if you if you had a number in your mind of positive revenue a month, what is that number? And I don't mean rich, you know, Ferraris and Vegas kind of, I mean, just, you know, good living. $10,000. It's always the answer. 99% of the time it's $10,000, which is really nice because that makes for some super easy math. 1.5 million at an 8% return produces what you need. Well, okay. What am I saying? You need $1.5 million in equity producing an 8% cash on cash, 8% revenue. That is 120,000 a year divided by 12. There's your 10 grand a month. So if you have a goal of $10,000 a month in passive revenue, your real goal is to create $1.5 million in dollars that go to work for you. Somebody's going to go out that door and go to work. Either you are or your money is. And if you don't have a million and a half bucks, it's you. Now, that's what I'm saying. Go out, flip, do wholesale. Uh, syndicate, do whatever you need to do to get the equity. And this is why I'm so big on equity, not cash flow. Why? Because if there's no equity, there is no cash flow. <laughs> you got to have equity to have cash flow. And so that's something that I just don't think people teach enough. And that's a concept that's not spoken about enough. Your agenda is to get enough equity in real estate that produces that positive cash flow. How much? 
Well, that depends. Depends on how much you need. Depends on, you know, not every deal produces 8%. That's just kind of a generalized formula. So you see back to my conveyor belt. The idea is that you're going to build that million and a half dollars in equity along that conveyor belt. You know, they come off the back. That's capital gains. You roll that back to the front. You put it in the next deal, so forth and so on and so mm. on. Correct. And that's where you ultimately generate this million and a half bucks. Now the million and a half dollars is doing the work. Yes, now it's passive. But you can see either you already have a million and a half bucks and you're, give me a call. Uh, and if you don't have a million and a half bucks, <laughs> then, then you've got to go out and create it. And creating that million and a half dollars is not passive. And that's that's what everybody needs to understand. It takes work. It takes active income Absolutely. to make passive income. It takes action. Take action to, what to it takes. passive income. Okay. So, and then... You know, let's let's say switching over, and I and I'm looking for a property then in my backyard, and you know, it's, I mean, of course, I don't want to come off and say I don't really have <laughs> any any money. Now, what is what is the conversation look like then? To like, do you sort of like try and fake it till you make it? And I, I don't, I don't recommend that either. I, I think you should it. tell everybody you're broke and you don't have any money, and, and be flat honest about it. And uh, the the best thing you can do about lack of experience is own it. Wave it around like a flag. Let everyone know you're new. You're, you know, you're getting started. Study, study, study. That's the key. Education will carry you to experience. If you don't have the education, the likelihood you're going to get the experience is next to none. So you want to, you want to study. You want to find your mentors. You want to sign up for classes. Everything you can do, you know, research your mentors first. By the way, because a lot of them out there you don't want to sign up with. But at any rate, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, right. yeah, whose initials are? No, I'm just yeah. So what you know, you you got to uh, get your education in place so that when you're confronted with the number one objection, you've never done this before. You can say, you know what, you're absolutely right. I haven't, but there's where you get to talk about your education. There's where you get to talk about your team, your sponsors, the people that are backing you up, the group that you're with. That is what you need. So do not try and go out there and fake it because it's not going to work. We as professionals in this business can spot you a mile away trying to fake your way in here. We're going to see it. We're going to smell it. We're going to run you off. And then you're going to really, really, really lose credibility. Right. So the the way to gain credibility is through honesty about the fact that you're brand stinking new and have no money. If you're a good character and you study and you're educated and you're willing to work and create value, someone somewhere will give you a break. They will. Just don't fake it. Just don't fake it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, when I, when I did just start, you know, I thought that I needed to try and do that, but very quickly. No, I I did. I I didn't. How do I know? Because it didn't work. I got got shredded a few times. Oh, really? Uh, Yeah, I really did. A couple of times where people caught me and just were not polite about it. Um, my, one of my favorites was I walked into a bank when I was new. I'd done some houses and I went and took a class on multifamily. And of course, my head was like, you know, I'm doing multifamily. Oh, eh. So I marched right into this lender's office and I had looked at this, I don't know, some 200 unit apartment complex, you know, something way out of my league. Of course, I marched in there and set the thing down. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm here to buy. Man, I got about 12 seconds into that conversation. That guy leaned across the desk and said, who in the hell are you with what experience? With what revenue, with what cat, with, you know, get out of my off. Man, I walked out of there being about that big. But the guy was right. Absolutely right. Tore me to bits. 
but he was right. So I got mad and went back to, through creative financing. <laughs> Screw <laughs> bank. But, but point being is, you know, you, you've got to face those things and, and don't don't try and fake it. You make just understand your weaknesses, acknowledge them and then run headlong into them. Solve them. Mm. Don't don't skirt around them. OK, now, you know, we're, we're talking about uh, starting out, trying to get that first deal and, and and gaining experience. Then one thing that I want to make sure of is because, I mean, that was the whole reason of why I wanted to start this podcast is just to be able to, you know, learn from multifamily real estate investors. You know, I'm definitely not experienced, but in a, in a transparent way. And also like on the, on the back end network with, you know, other like-minded individuals, like I'm joining the MIH mastermind in June. Now, well, I guess I'm kind of answering my own questions with <laughs> I, I see, I see <laughs> why you're master, do that. I, I, I see why you're a master coach. <laughs> <laughs> well, because because then I was just like talking about next next steps. Then because I mean people people always say focus on a market, focus on a market, focus on a market, and focus on that one market, and focus on that one strategy. You know, if I mean the the, the only issue is like I, I I'm I'm kind of just not in love with California. Like I love California because my family's here girlfriend's family's here. You know, I, I plan to stay here for a while, if not for the rest of my life. But sure. the, in terms of just like buying in California, just makes me a little, a little hesitant with, you know, some of the landlord laws and they're a lot more on the renter side. Sure. Now, you know, moving, moving forward then, and still just like wanting to just jump into the, the game. Am I, am I going in the, in the right direction? <laughs> Definitely. I, I think there's there's deals everywhere in all market cycles, right. California and anywhere else. It's the, the catch is you're gonna have to identify what one looks like. It's gonna mm. look different in that market. It's not gonna be a 10% cash on cash, you know, a class that you gotta look at the assets in that market and understand how assets are valued in that market, and then go out and find one that's at a discount. Look, I can tell you everything you need to know in one sentence. Everything you need to know about real estate in one sentence. Know the values in your area and look at more deals than anybody else. That's it. So knowing the values means you know when things are selling at at market, over market or under market. You know when something's a good deal. Now, if you know what is and is not a good deal, all you have to do is just outpace everybody else. It's just a numbers game. Mm. So if you're in California and, and the market is competitive, it just means you may have to work a little bit harder to find that good deal. But once you find a good deal, it's probably going to be an extra good deal because you're in such a good market. So it's all about the business strategy. You know, so I would say that you would probably want to try and do some value add stuff out there and then ultimately maybe move some of that money over to to another market You know, in time or get ready to travel. That's another thing. You you can purchase out of state. You you have to have a presence in that market to be effective. Hmm. So if you are not going to travel over to one of these cash flow or more cash flow type markets, you need somebody that will or you need a partner in that particular city. Great. But why do they work with you if they're in that city? You know, what value do you bring to them? That's the mm-hmm. key. That you've got to, you know, you can find a partner, let's say in, in middle Texas area, good market. Yeah, but why does that partner partner up with you? What value do you bring? Maybe it's financial, maybe it's networking. You know, there's no telling, but that's the kind of thing you're going to have to look at. And anybody listening to this is going to have to think about that. If you're not in a market that's great for long-term cash flow, you're going to have to adjust your business model. But but look around. I mean, California real estate is expensive. 
not because nobody wants it. <laughs> it's expensive <laughs> because <laughs> everybody want. wants it. So you see, my point is like, you can still make money in those markets. You just have to know what you're looking for. You're going to have to look at you know, a lot of deals to find one, but you will. Hmm. That's reassuring. That's reassuring. Because I mean, most people that I know are like, oh, I will never buy in California. Or not most people that I know, but I mean, I've talked to a number of people and they say I've never buy in California. And how many of them live in California? None of them. Exactly. <laughs> it's a silly comment. You know, it's like, well, I'm never going to buy in Michigan. Well, I don't live in Michigan. Of course, I'm not going to buy in Michigan. Why would I go up there? You know, but, uh, you got to take that with a huge grain of salt. Hmm. You know, these people are not Californians. They don't live there. And so what they're saying to you is, I'm never going to come to your market. Good. Stay out. <laughs> Watch over here anyway. So you see the point. It's like, don't, don't, don't let that get in your head. That's, okay. Don't worry about that. You know, now yeah. when all of a sudden all the Californians say we're not buying real estate, then buy real estate. It's about to get really cheap. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, good. Just don't chase markets. I think that's one of the biggest mistakes I see people early on make is they go chasing a market and they, Hey, I heard this was a hot market. And I looked at two deals and I heard that was a hot market. And then that one, and then that one, and they never build out relationships. You'd be better off staying in your hometown and really building out relationships with realtors and sellers than bouncing around different markets and, and never really going much deeper than just internet listings. That's the biggest mistake I've seen people make. Huh. Uh, chasing cash flow. It's not a good idea. Yeah. And wow. Yeah, because because I'm gonna be honest, I definitely was chasing cash flow. I, was I know most people bouncing, do bouncing, <laughs> bouncing from from market to market. Sure. And even then I didn't even think about just like the possibility of like also California being Yeah, you're um, you're not gonna go much deeper than LoopNet doing that. Yeah. You're not gonna find deals that that are much deeper than just laying around on the surface. Mm. Good deals don't stay on the market long. Great deals never come to the market. They're traded privately, even when they're listed with realtors. What happens is that realtor gets this hot deal and the realtor calls up their top 10 people they're working with and say, hey, here's that hot deal you guys were looking for. Anybody want it? And it usually will trade within that small group of people. It's your job to become one of those people on that list. So that, you know, that realtor calls up Taylor and says, hey, man, I got that hot deal you're looking for. Here it is. Swing by. Let's take a look. You make an offer. We won't even put it on the market. It's yours right now. Yeah, but you got to have that relationship. How do you build that relationship? Presence in the market, property tours, showing those realtors that you're there. You're you're out looking at those deals. You're walking those properties. Now, are we talking about a plane trip every time you want to go look at it? See my point? You'd be better off staying in California, where you can you know access the market. You can look at deals. You can meet those realtors and build those relationships then bouncing around to Texas and you know Atlanta and every other market that everybody wants to be in at the moment. That's, that's a waste of your time. Not unless you're quite wealthy or you own a jet or you have a lot of travel miles, mm. you want to stay closer to home. Yeah, don't, don't go chasing markets. Interesting. Interesting. This is a, a very eye opening conversation. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know what'll happen next? You'll burn yourself out and then you'll say, you know, this stuff doesn't work. So I need to get a private jet then. And then, I would recommend it. <laughs> Let me borrow it when you get one. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, it's one in, I have one in my closet. You know, you just, gotcha. you know it's one of those collapsible ones. And there you go. All right. The model. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well, awesome. Thank you so much, Bill. Sure, I wish I wish I can I can talk more, but we have reached our time. But honestly, thank you again so much for, for enlightening. Oh, my pleasure enlightening with me with all your wisdom, knowledge, and experience. Um, Cause this is definitely, I'm definitely going to be tapping into this and listen, re-listening back to this episode uh, moving forward. So, um, but if, 
other people want to reach out to you and yeah. get in contact with you again, what's the best way they can, they can get in contact? Sure. Email is bill at gobroadwell.com. And that's Broadwell, B-R-O-A-D-W-E-L-L. Uh, website is broadwellpropertygroup.com. So if you're an investor out there looking to get into this business and you want a little help, uh, go to our website. We have a slot. Just fill that out and uh, we'll be in touch with you directly. And if you're looking for more education, uh, I have the book Creative Cash that's on Amazon. And I have that big and I have a master class uh, available at creativeapartmentdeals.com. You can go there and download that as well. So those are the best ways to reach out to me. Awesome. And those will be in the show notes. Again, thank you so much, Bill. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Pleasure. um, Thank you, everyone, for, for listening and have a good one. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Multifamily Artist Podcast. If you got any value out of this episode, I'd greatly appreciate if you head over to iTunes, leave a rating and review the show, which will help more people receive that same value. If you're looking to connect and talk more about multifamily real estate, you can reach me at inrhythmmultifamily.com. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.